In a world shaped by ancient civilizations and remarkable trade networks, a wondrous journey awaits. Footprints presents Connected, a gripping 10-episode series that takes you into the lives of ordinary people whose destinies intertwine with the ancient Silk Road and the Belt and Road Initiative. Following the modern initiative that connects several continents via land and maritime networks, we uncover captivating stories along the way and witness how it bridges different cultures and peoples throughout time. Brace yourself for an enthralling experience with Connected, arriving on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today and join us on this extraordinary journey through time and space. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you from Beijing. I'm He Yang. Good to have you join us. Biodiversity is the foundation for human life as well as Mother Nature. From conservation projects to new policies, what has China done to preserve biodiversity? And to tip or not to tip, it varies in different cultures. We take a look at the complexities behind tipping and explore its impact on workers. Businesses and societies worldwide. For today's program, I'm joined by Josh Cotterell on the line, and we're introducing Gao Junya to the show. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, Junya. Hi, He Yang. So glad to be on the show. My name is Gao Junya. I was the chief correspondent of China Media Group's Harare bureau for the past five years. So basically, I was based in Harare, Zimbabwe, and actually, I was also well traveled. Actually, in Southern Africa, I traveled、uh, to over fifteen African countries, and I think I'm so blessed to. You know, get a chance to know more about Africa, and especially their one of their big heritages, wildlife. <laughs> that is wonderful, and that is also key reason, a good reason to have you on today's show to talk about biodiversity and conservation. So first, on today's roundtable. Biodiversity is the foundation for the Earth's health, the future of humanity, the basis for sustainable social and economic development, as well as for ecological security, food security, and human health. China, as host country of COP15, the 15th meeting of the Conference of the Parties to the United Nations Convention on Biodiversity, has promoted ecological progress and biodiversity protection. Many rare and endangered species. Have been placed under effective protection, and the diversity, stability, and sustainability of the ecosystem have been kept improving. So let's take a look at what's going on now. And in China, we see that endangered species are less threatened, and it's improvement for these animals and in all respects. So let's take a look at what's going on now. And Junya, could you give us some information on that? Yes, according to what I know, in China, some species are showing signs of improvement in their endangered status, contributing to a continuous enhancement of biodiversity. According to a report by People's Daily, China's wild plant health has seen some improvement, and the trend of threatened vertebrate animals has slowed down. The threat levels of nearly 500 species of wild animals and plants have decreased. 
And recently, the Ministry of Ecology and Environment and the Chinese Academy of Sciences jointly released the new edition of the China's Red List of Biodiversity, which comprehensively evaluates and updates the survival status of higher plants and vertebrate animals currently distributed in China. This initiative solidifies the scientific foundation for further strengthening biodiversity conservation. Yes, and the red list is a list of species that are considered to be in danger of extinction, or certainly deserves our attention, so that they continue to thrive on this planet. And Josh, tell us about what the situation is like, or the general public sentiment towards biodiversity in your country and the international story as such. Absolutely. Well, I think the United Kingdom, like every country. In the world faces significant biodiversity issues. Some of them are the same, and many of them are specifically、uh, related to our own、um, environment.、Uh, for example, we have we have quite a lot of issues with habitat loss and degradation. So this is like the destruction and fragmentation of natural habitats,、um, and this has had a really negative effect on biodiversity in the United Kingdom.、Um, urbanization and intensive agriculture. Um, things like this.、Um, this affects many species,、uh, particularly those that require specific habitats、um, or have limited ranges. Another thing that I think is the same in many countries is climate change, of course.、Um, and the UK, like the rest of the world, is experiencing the impacts of this: rising temperatures,、um, record temperatures being recorded in the last couple of years, and we've seen this across the globe, right?、Um, changing rainfall patterns and things like. This、um, also invasive species. This happens in all over the world as well. But one thing I guess that maybe is slightly different about the UK compared to most countries is that it's a standalone island, right? So there's a lot of animals and species that don't exist there, and they are brought over for as for, for so many different reasons. And one example is something called the gray squirrel. This is the one that we all know about. I'm not sure, Hyung, if you remember. Seeing the gray squirrel when you were in the UK, but it wasn't—I'm sorry to the gray squirrel, but it wasn't actually ever supposed to be there,、oh. right? And before it was brought over,、mm. all our squirrels were red. And again, without discriminating against the gray squirrels, they're bullies, and they basically bullied out all of the red squirrels. So it's really hard to find one these days. That's just one example. There are many things being done to combat this,、uh, which we can get into a bit later. But that's the picture in the UK. The international scene. Is again complex and、um, probably too broad for me to go、mm. over so briefly right now,、um, but I'm sure we can get into that in a moment. Yes, and Junya, you've seen biodiversity being preserved and the efforts that go into it in Africa. And、um, what do you see as maybe the most pressing issues that they're experiencing over there, and、um, also the effective measures that go into protecting biodiversity and、uh, wildlife? Yeah, I think、uh, lack of fund is definitely the most pressing issue for most of the African countries. So they're raising a lot of fund, and also international partners and even non-governmental organizations. They are staking in and try to make their contributions to preserving the wildlife in Africa. And for me, I think most African countries actually they've done a good job in preserving the this their. 
on treasures, you know, yeah. gems of their country and region. And for example, Zimbabwe, I think it has the size similar to Yunnan province. It's around 400,000 square kilometers. But 13% of its land area actually was distributed as national parks. Mm. So it's for wild animals, wildlife. So the wild animals, actually, they are the owners of the land. For us human beings, we are like we're just the visitors, and we're not supposed to be disrupt their life. Life, so there are certain measures they've been taking. Like it's not allowed to build concrete houses inside the national park area, only in camps or tented camps. So yeah, people are putting a lot of effort in preserving wildlife, and I think the good thing is the majority of the population in Africa they know they have this awareness of protecting wildlife. I think because they've been living with with、mm. such various lives for so many years. So education is one side, but many of them they have this awareness to protect it. So I think most of the people I know they're contributing their own efforts in preserving the wildlife and also building up the biodiversity. Yeah, and that's really relevant. Also, an interesting sort of notes to compare for for, for Chinese people as well, because we see the differences. As there's you know a much higher urbanization rate in this country, and then how do you preserve biodiversity when a lot of folks live in the city and feel that maybe wildlife is like miles away? But in fact, that's so not true. In a previous show we've done on、uh, China's first. National Ecology Day on August the fifteenth. We discussed raptor rescue in this country, and then just this is just one example of wild birds are actually very much in, in touch with our urban life, and、uh, you can save these wild raptors in big cities like Beijing, Shanghai, as such, and.、Uh, There's a lot to talk about in that sense. So you know that awareness is very important, and also national parks have been built in China as well. And we could go a bit in detail in the later part of this discussion. But right now, there are some really exciting news coming from cities in China as they're beefing up efforts to be more inclusive and more conducive to wildlife protection and biodiversity. Preservation. So, one example would be Chengdu City, and、uh, could you give us some more information on that, Junya? Also, given the fact that you have done some reporting in the giant panda conservation base. In Chengdu, Sichuan Province. Yeah, let me introduce about the efforts of Chengdu City first. On December the thirteenth, twenty twenty-two, Chengdu City of Sichuan Province in Southwest China was awarded the title of the first city of biodiversity, approving Chengdu's biodiversity conservation efforts. And on December the twenty-sixth of the same year, the Chengdu Municipal Government issued the Plans further strengthening biodiversity conservation in Chengdu, which outline the biodiversity conservation goals and approaches for Chengdu in 2025 and 2035.、Mm. According to statistics from the Chengdu Nature Reserve and Wildlife Conservation Center, the city has a total of 3,139 species of wild higher plants, accounting for 10% of the national total. 114 species of mammals, accounting for 17% of the national total, and 1,566 species of birds, accounting for 39% of the national total, and 32 species of amphibians, accounting for 6% of the national total.、Mm. 
And yeah, you mentioned I traveled to Chengdu. Actually, it's not for reporting because um, you know my 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 life and work in Africa actually just motivates me to conduct more research animal you know wildlife related so um, it's just out of personal interest because i was enjoying a long vacation after my working in africa so i visited chengdu for about a week and then i went to this place specifically it's chengdu research base of giant panda breeding where you know that we call it ding liu that one of the most popular giant pandas hua hua is based there and I didn't know that much about her at that time. So I was actually having a casual walk around the whole base and learn, getting to know different pandas. I think one of the things that impressed me the most is that those pandas, they've been given such good habitat. Oh. It's not like a zoo where, you know, it was for visitors to see different kinds of animals. I think they have their own outdoor spaces, indoor spaces, and they have a certain habitat that's close to, you know, the natural habitat for them to enjoy a better life. So I think that's um, quite um, impresses me a lot. And also they have different interactive facilities for visitors to get to know more knowledge about giant pandas. And then they can devote themselves to, maybe to the protecting of uh, giant pandas. And about Hua Hua, I think they are also doing a quite good branding, you know, a promotion of this popular star. I think they're doing it quite good because many people went there for Hua Hua. That means there would be a lot of fun. Definitely. And then th this money will go to the protection of this whole species. Mm -hmm. So personally, mm -hmm. I think it is a wise move to do this. Yeah. yeah, that's my trip to Chengdu. I think that what you just said is really a testament to how important travel can be in making people care, getting people to understand and care about the environment and about biodiversity. And obviously, not everybody gets the opportunity to to travel, but I think that experiential learning really is one of the most powerful things that can help us to appreciate and then consequently care and be aware about biodiversity, right? And also on top of that, I think that education is really important here when we talk about conservation as well. I, I've said this before on the show that I think that concepts, the concept of conservation and the importance of biodiversity should be taught in schools from a really young age um, and I still don't think that it really is I mean mm -hmm. I, definitely not from what I know um, not enough anyway so yeah I, I I think I'm the same actually I started to care more much more about the environment after I started traveling and being lucky enough to go and see these different biodiverse uh, diversities and different environments that I'd never seen before and you know, you see sort of the consequences as well. And you can even start to feel them depending on where you live. So mm. yeah, I, I think that uh, it's really important. You raise some really good points, Josh. And the part that I really don't understand is how come that um, maybe public education has failed so miserably in public schools when it comes to biodiversity uh, education, just by what you said, I used to think that mm. How difficult could it be? And when you look at like kids products and stuff, it's always got like cute animals printed on it. And in school, we learn stuff about it. It's not like it's not in the books. The teachers don't say anything about it. It's not like that at all. And even back in my day, which was like more than a decade, well, ooh, pushing two get decades uh, back in school, I still remember, you know, that was very much prevalent in the textbooks and in our lectures in classrooms. But what went wrong in 
not really delivering the impact. Maybe like we're still talking about this, like with new generations of people growing up, and、um, biodiversity and、uh, conservation doesn't seem to maybe have taken the kind of effect that we want it to. So, do you think there's something lacking in our education in that sense? Do you have some thoughts on this? Yeah, definitely. I think there's this lack of engagement. You know, classroom education is not enough. Definitely, we need to go out and go to visit those zoos and those、um, research base. You know, to get to know what is really happening on the ground. And then, you know, the students and kids they will get a firsthand picture of what is happening. And they will, for example,、um, I was visiting. A、uh, wild dog、uh, conservation in Zimbabwe. They have these certain camps reserved for students, and different schools at certain time they will arrange students to go there and to know about what is happening to wild dogs and what challenges they're facing. So I think the ideas of protecting wildlife is in- engraved in their heads. So、oh, interesting, and you brought up、uh, zoos because you've also got this other, may I say, a little bit radical、uh, group of people thinking that zoos should be a thing of the past and animals should not be living in captivated states. Or you know, like people are getting innovative and saying that maybe if you have to set up zoos or maybe sanctuaries. But allow people into with a certain distance, then it should be only animals, flora and fauna, locally, and therefore, yeah, there are a lot of discussions when it comes to animal rights and protection of their welfare in China as well. And another rather up to date example is that、uh, in Guizhou Province, in the southern part of China, is actively promoting the conservation of plants. That serve as habitats and food resources for the golden snub-nosed monkeys, and these monkeys have star status in this country because they're also endangered and very much loved by the Chinese people. But but also just a quick note:、um, actually, giant pandas have been moved out of the endangered species list. And that's definitely good news. But here again, we see another one of these really popular and star animals in this country.、Um, it's good to see that their living environment has improved a bit. Here in China, given the urbanization rate is above sixty percent now, we're seeing cities expand its borders and absorbing more population into the cities. So. Urban biodiversity has become a rather new concept and increasingly gaining steam in this country. So, Josh, could you give us a definition of what you see as urban diversity development, and why is it important that we talk about it? Well, it's very important, as many of us, including us right now, are living amongst it. I think that urban biodiversity is basically essentially linked to healthy and sustainable cities. Um, and I think that that includes green infrastructure, urban planning, of course, and this can be anything from green spaces,、uh, parks, and areas where there might even be wildlife, depending on how big it is and w- what's able to be maintained,、um, and also diverse plant habitats as well.、Um, and、uh, as was mentioned before, like ecological corridors, I think they're called. So, like allowing for the movement and Gene flow among populations. Also, I think 
Um, sustainable water management is directly linked to this as well, a, a really important thing. And um, yeah, I think wildlife friendly infrastructure generally as well. Junya,、mm. what do you see as the biggest obstacles and、um, matters that need to be taken care of when we're living in these big cities? But in fact, we do also have wildlife sort of. Coming over here and there, and we need to coexist with animals, plants, and wildlife in general. Yes, I think one of the things that I'm not getting used to China is that when I was in、uh, Harare, Zimbabwe, every day I think I was opening up by the concert of different. Birds chirping, but here I think I've been in Beijing for almost、uh, one month now. I've never heard a bird chirp around me. I was just living in this, this high building, you know, it, you know, with the cars racing by, motorbikes racing by, you know, people were shouting, or dogs were barking, but no quiet life or peaceful life. I actually need. So personally, I hope that there would be some more greener spaces among the urban areas for us to enjoy the nature, for us to go to the the nature and go to any mountain or river, you know, just. Maybe within ten kilometers, you know, not that far, not that hard for us to get access to this, you know, nature itself. That's what I, I'm earning for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is really interesting how we're brought up and our views of human and nature, and it determines a lot of our designs, our ways of life, and also how we conduct our human activities and.、Um, And what kind of legacy does that leave for the future generation, right? Because I think it's really important that we think with this kind of sustainable mindset when it comes to this world that we live in. Josh, when you live in a big city like London, urban diversity、mm. manifests itself. But in what ways、um, do you think that、um, is worthwhile sharing with everybody? Well, in London, I mean. Again, I guess when I think about cities, and I've lived in London like yourself, and when I compare, say, London to Beijing, I, I guess there's a lot of similarities when it comes to what's special about it. When it comes to urban biodiversity, I, I guess that there are parks,、um, and there is a zoo. There is London Zoo、um, there as well, and there's all sorts of green infrastructure in London that make it, I would say, a reasonably good urban. Biodiverse environment, as as far as big, developed, ugly grey cities go, I think that it does okay.、Um, there's definitely room for improvement, though.、Um, but yeah, there's quite a lot of green spaces in London.、Um, there's a lot of native plant and wildlife-friendly landscaping and things like this.、Um, gardening. We have a massive gardening culture in the UK, so when it comes to flowers and things like this. People care about them, so and that's the most important thing, in my opinion, is getting people to care. As soon as people start caring, then they start taking care of things. And I guess flowers in London, you're going to find a lot of them. So、yeah. that that's those are some examples off the top of my head. Yes, and I think having those patches of green land or park or just this little small sanctuary that reminds us of nature in big cities are really important too. And In China, we see in more of the southern cities where the climate is a little bit warmer, and、um, you you see more greenery, vegetation, and flowers and plants and all all those lovely beings. And in big cities like Beijing or you know the northern part of the country where the weather is 
quite a bit colder, especially during winter time, then having that green space could be a little bit of a luxury. But we certainly have seen the municipality governments really try to push hard to establish more of the vegetation in cities. And that's been seen as a good benchmark to judge whether the city has done well in urban green development. And speaking as such, what are some of the conservation efforts that have been devoted to greener development in China? I think the area of afforestation has increased in China. That That's quite imp- impresses me because I think data from NASA satellites show that China actually is leading the increase on greening on land. Actually, the effect stems mainly from this ambitious tree planting project. I think um, most of us actually are engaged in this project because I think you guys have ant forest, right? Mm. Um, Alipay. Yeah. Personally, I've been doing this for seven years. I've been planting trees on my Isenling ant forest. I think by now, the latest figure I got is over 600 million Chinese people have been engaged in this project. So definitely this has contributed to the afforestation efforts. That's quite impressive. So basically, when you ride a bike instead of drive, when you walk instead of driving, or when you're engaged in activity that cuts emissions, then you gain points on that app. And in turn, the company plants a tree on your behalf. And that's one of the fun ways to encourage people to engage more in conservation. It's a balanced, healthy, and thriving world that we need for our future, but we have very little time to stop animals and plants from vanishing forever, and biodiversity conservation is very much needed and an urgent task for everybody to jump on board now. You're listening to Roundtable, coming up next. To tip or not to tip? It is the question. Stick around, everybody. We'll be back after this break.